This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, everybody. Tonight we're going to be talking about one of the most important subjects in life. We're going straight to the core of the most important subject. Um, it's the, the, the subject is Ratzon, which means desire. And I actually have, have a webinar that's being produced on just it's called desire and that's being produced right now and the and it is it's the core of everything and but everything like like just like those who are chewing right now you clearly desired something and the and uh, some clothing designer desired to make their living with their creativity and that's what you're wearing right now and some shipper want to make his pay for his he desired to feed his family and ship the fabrics and whatever. The, uh, I mean, everything's made of desire. No matter what, you, you, the Brooklyn Bridge, like people in Brooklyn desired to get to Manhattan quicker and it made that. Cars are made of desire. Yeah, airplanes, like people want to get places quicker. Private spacecraft are made out of desire of the rich and famous. The, the whole, everything's made of your own flesh. Your own flesh is made out of the desire of your parents for one another. Like literally everything is made of desire. And in fact, when you look in uh, Lashon HaKodesh, you'll notice that there are an inordinate amount of words. And, uh, you know, Chuka and Tzvi and Chemda, Chomed, right? Lo Sachmod, Lo Tachmod. I mean, the, the list just keeps going. I counted up to 20 at one point. And, and you know when, a tr- when any tradition has a lot of words for something, that's, a, that's key. Well, listen to how key it really is. The, you know, you're, I'm not expecting any of you to be like seriously holding in the ten spheros. But the first of all the ten spheros in the Keter schematic, the first is Keter. And what's Keter? Keter is the attribute of Rotson. It's desire. And if you think about it, Keter's the crown. It's not even in the physical. It's not in the world. Why? Because it's God's desire to make the world via the spheros of Chochmah, Bina, Das, Chesed, Tzveros, Meaning Keter is the desire of God to make the whole, to make the whole thing. So the whole world's made of Keter. The whole world's made of desire. Not just your shirt, not, the Brooklyn, not just the Brooklyn Bridge and your flesh and you're being here tonight. You're only here tonight because you wanted to be here. And you measured out. You And human beings, not only is desire how you get anywhere, but you have to make a cheshven. You have to make a, 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 an accounting of what do you want more. Because you could have been somewhere else tonight. And I could have been at my daughter's 20th. And <laughs> it was too late. We made the date way early. So it was like, sorry, Charlie. Yeah, and most fathers know their children's birthdays, but uh, in my community, that's like a little over the top, you know, to know each kid's birthday. So the the, uh, the my my neighbor believes in Puravu to the extreme. And so they don't even celebrate birthdays. The truth is, where I live, my wife's like totally brought back her Americanism to Israel. When it comes to birthdays, she like she believes a birthday is how you show someone how much you care. 
imagine. I mean, what kind of pressure it gets once you're in the grandchildren realm and and you know the kalas, you know all my all the kalas and chosonim and the and the grandchildren. I look a little younger than I am, but I'm holding in that whole stage. And and there's uh, thirty-five. Yeah, it's like, and the birthday that how you invest in that birthday is how you let them know how loved they are. It's, no, you just tell them happy birthday and I love you, and it's over. Anyway, but they're having sushi and gun soccer tonight because I took my van here. And that's it. Tough luck. <laughs> that's where they could walk. Um, <laughs> anyway, the um, everything is desire. God created the whole world out of the stuff. And think about it. Nothing gets done if you don't want it. And what I was just saying before is you prioritize accordingly. You sacrifice. The word carbon, carbon means to sacrifice. What does it mean to sacrifice? You sacrifice one thing to get a greater thing. You sacrifice, you want a Coke? You give you two bucks to get the Coke. And you're making a statement about the two bucks. It's worth less than the Coke. And so there you're doing a carbon to get what you want. And so everything works based on desire. And we have to always set up a hierarchy of desires to make sure that we are aligned properly because if you mess up the ladder of desire, if the hierarchy of desire gets messed up, meaning you you you, you went for something cheap, let's say, you know, and you, you, you blew your own order of priorities, you pay for that dearly with regret, which is not terrible. Regrets, God put inside of us regrets so that we'd make a better move, you know, so that we can fix it. You know, anyone who beats themselves over regret, beats themselves up over regret, you know, needs to like, uh, I don't know, start drinking alcohol or something because, because regret isn't a tremendous motivator, but get motivated and move on. Like, can't shoot yourself in the foot the rest of your life if you have regrets. <laughs> you know, people way overdo regret. But... The uh, so listen up. <clears throat> Desire is the great motivator, as I said, and notice the root of the word ratzon. What's the root? Ratzon. It's a two-letter word. Resh tzadik. What does the word resh tzadik spell? Rats. What's that mean? Run. To run. Why? Well, you, I'm sure you can figure it out. But when you see someone running for something. I'm not talking about jogging. When you, but that's also rutsome. But if you see someone running for something, you know it's important. And we can't get our eyes off those people. Even today, I, I, I don't remember where I was exactly, but I saw a guy running up the street. And he was clearly, there was some kind of situation. that I don't know, who knows what. You know, maybe it was late to the bank. Maybe there was an emergency. I, I don't know. But you notice that when you see someone in civilian clothes, no running shoes, and you see he's huffing and puffing and running, you, you can't get your eyes off them. It's interesting. You're, you're interested in it. And you're, you'd like to know where he's going, kind of. And you'd like to know what the situation is. And, the, and that's because there's a, there's a will that's got him moving much faster than the rest of us. Now, there's this, like, potato patch kibbutz walk. I don't know if any of you have ever visited kibbutzim. kibbutzim. So I've been to quite a few kibbutzim over the years. And, you know, you, they kind of rotate you from job to job every couple months. And it doesn't mean much more than the ideals of your kibbutz. 
So it's really hard to run that direction. It's hard to run toward Can you imagine running back to the potato patch that they put you at now to grow your potato, grow potatoes for the kibbutz? So there's a certain kind of walk that they have where, like, you can see there's no... There's idealism, but there's not the kind of motivation that there should be in a person's walk. On the other hand, you'll notice people who are in the sunset of their life because life is like the weekdays, and throughout your life, as you're going on, it's like Sunday, Monday, you're in your 40s, it's Tuesday, you know. You're, and I'm just going to chill on Friday because I'm not working, and I'm going to chill, and it's not fair to my wife at all to do that, but I do come home with flowers, <laughs> and I set up the Shabbos clocks, set up her, set up her candles, and, uh, and anything else I can do. You know, I'll go to the store, I'll get drinks, get them cold. You know, but I, I also have five daughters, so it's like, just stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> so, so the, um, and by the way, my son's cook as well, barbecue, <laughs> which was, which was at Yar Yerushalayim last night. We had an amazing barbecue out there. My son Moshe just took over. Oh, Moshe so, Moshe's 18. Yeah, sure. So, anyway, um... Why am I talking about barbecue? How did we get here? What are we talking about? I'm talking about Shabbos. Your life. Oh, Friday. Yeah, Friday. But check all of us out. Check all of us out in that last hour. That last hour before candlelighting. I get going. I'll never forget. I'm married to you know a Jewish woman like you guys are, and we'll all get over that eventually. But the no, because the guys I grew up with, the Jews I grew up in L.A. married their Filipino. Massage therapist. You know? <laughs> like, I haven't gotten over it yet. <laughs> I mean, those ladies are just happy you got home. You know, like you came home. You know, they don't care. They don't even ask where you were. You know. <laughs> I know some guys. I know some guys who are like. I know guys that I look at them and I'm like, you'll never make it with a Jewish woman. I mean, you'll just never make it. So I tell, meaning, but they're observant now. Like they become observant. I'm like, you'll never make it. You know, she will cream you. And and I just tell the guy, listen, you just gotta like search the yellow pages for converts. You know. <laughs> She's like, you know, you know the way you guys show up for Shabbat. You know, meaning me and my sons. She's like, you came in Friday, like every other week. You're covered in mud, covered in dirt. You're in your helmets and pads. And it's like 10 minutes for Shkia. We're mountain bikers. We're hardcore mountain bikers, like full downhill, body armor, everything. Always. Well, now we're with because the sport has shifted to, like now we somehow have built-in chairlifts. We don't use our motors unless we're coming back up. But on our way back up, we just fly back up the mountain and do it again. We come back just as exhausted as everyone else. It doesn't run with, if you don't pedal. It's pedal assist. But you, you, we come back after three hours. We can't even walk. So we're not, like, overusing the motor. It's just that we've covered three times more ground than we historically would have. Anyway, so she says you come in, covered in mud. And no, you're not even going to the showers. You guys go straight to the fridge, pull out frosty mugs from the freezer, you each pour a beer, and like, you know, my sons are like, it's like 12, 14, and 16. You pour your beers in your frosty mugs, you slam them together, you down your mugs, and then you all run to the showers, 
And then, and like as the clock's moving towards sundown, you know, in Jerusalem, there's 40 minutes after Shkiah. Do you guys do 18 or 40 here? 18. 18 in Ephrat? So it's 40 minutes, and the sun's setting, and you're just like, it's 10, you're like making your pace. It's like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Chavez. And she's like, can you, like, show our family that Shabbos is important? Can you show our family that Shabbos isn't what stops you from doing the things you love to do, but Shabbos is the thing you love to do? And I was just like, once again. And that's why we have these Jewish women, because they keep us, keep us straight. So we don't mess up our kids. So, anyway, we live in a Yerushalmi community where there's some really, really elderly people, and if, if you go to an old folks home, they walk similar, not an old folks of the Jewish world, meaning just an old folks home, and you watch how Yerushalmis, like real Yerushalmi people. It's called the, they call it actually Yerushalayim Shomala. And Meir Sharim looks up to our community in Nachlaut as like the, like the real original Yerushalmis. And the, but if you saw these old people walk, I'm sure you guys have seen it. The way they walk is like they don't have much more agility than people in the old folks home taking a half hour from the tiny room, you know, down to their room. They don't have much more agility than them. However, the way they walk is something like this. And it's like, it's weird. They're like moving 100 miles per hour because the sun's setting. The sun is setting and it's time to run for it. Shabbos is coming on life. Shabbos is going to come in on us. And please God, it should come in at the right time, meaning later. And it's amazing we're talking about this on the yard site of your father because the sun set on him. And uh, thank God he has he has you guys down here. It's amazing. You know, like the the, uh, the it reminds me in the in the Vietnam War they captured a soldier who had warned a village to run for it. He much broke rank. He broke rank, went to a village. He just felt bad. He, like, couldn't kill any more people. He was done killing, like, innocent people in the jungles of Vietnam, you know, a rainforest. Like, he couldn't go on. So they were going to another village. They, had to, they were commanded to take some ground the next day. He left the middle of the night, went to the village, woke up a few people and told them, like, get everyone out of here or no one's going to be alive in this place the next day. American guy? Yeah, American, American soldier. Yeah. And they took him seriously and they got up and left. When the soldiers came in the next day, no one was there. There was no one there. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, this guy got captured. Uh, you know, like eventually. He, he got captured, and they had this kind of mock trial where they like, just say the guy's name and then kill him. And when they said his name, there was like a rustle in, in there because someone recognized him. And, and he was just recognized. And whatever, there was a rustle around. They went to the, the, whoever the mock court judge was and said, 
this guy looks like the guy that saved our village. And they took him aside and they said, are you the one who saved an entire village? And he said, he said, yeah, that was me. And they actually gave him safe passage back to the American soldiers and let him return. And so what that reminds me of a little bit is your father and you saying Kaddish over here. You know, it's like, it's like he's, whatever court case he had to deal with, you know, he had the, 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 the Sussmans living in uh, Efrat, you know, in Eretz Koydish, Turin Mitzvahs, you know, over here. So, so listen up. The, here's the issue with desire. You can want something a lot, but it, you're always going to have two major things that will get in the way of your desire. Two major things. One is called the fear of rejection, and the other is called the fear of failure. You know why? Because let's say you figured out it, like, let's say you could really pinpoint what it is you want in your life. At this point in your life, you pinpoint it, which could even be a career change. But let's say you pinpoint what it is you want. Well, if it's like anything else that succeeds, you'll probably fail many times. And you'll probably get as well. And sadly, the people who reject it will probably be the people closest to you because it makes them nervous. You know, for you to go after something that you've always kind of not gone after, that you'd like to go after, like to really go for it, which may mean, as I said, a direction change in your life in some way. There's going to be failure, there's going to be rejection. Because anything, anything you go for to succeed, it takes many failures. Success is failure. The price for success is failure. I'm sure everyone here could tell stories about that. Of how you got anywhere was by failing. And, uh, and like the hardest sport in the world to learn is surfing. Meaning to become like an actual surfer is the hardest sport in the world. It's the most quit, tried and quit sport in the world. And if anyone's ever tried it, you get instant respect for, you know, just someone who can stand up on the thing. Because what you realize when you first get out there is you can't paddle it. Meaning you're thinking you're just going to paddle it. The question was, could you stand on it? But you realize as you're paddling that the board keeps slipping out every direction. You keep winding up back in the soup. And so you start to realize, oh my gosh, like this is a totally different thing. Now today they figured it out. They have these big, giant foam boards that like, they're like boats. So that doesn't happen to the beginners. But when I grew up, those were not available. You know, you, you just toughed it out, but you fell way more than you stood on that board for a good, like, maybe 100 sessions. You were way more falling in the ocean than you were standing on your feet. And it's also humiliating, you know, and there's a bit of competition who gets the wave. Now, people actually gave you priority, and now you got on the wave only to fall right in front of them. You know, and it's, 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 it's not easy, but... Failure is the failure is inevitable if you're to succeed in anything. You got to be willing to pay the price of failure. And the other is rejection. And as I said, when you when you make a decision in life, when you make any shift in life, generally the people who are close to you get the most nervous about it. You know, when uh, when in the old days in Asia Torah, 
you know, I had to give a lot of support to people who were changing their lifestyle over their becoming observant. It was never their acquaintances that were. The closer you were to them, the closer people were to them was the harder the time they got. You understand? It was, it's, the closer people are to you, when you make a shift in life, the closer people are to you, the harder it is for them. Which is really strange. Because if, uh, I don't know, uh, what's your name again? Mayor. Mayor, if you, if you like, if you made some beautiful shift in your life, everyone who knows you would be so excited about it. And so, again, the closer people are to you, the more it gives, it gives you more identity. And the closer, and so if you make some, even a beautiful shift in who you are, like you're getting closer to the essence of who you are, so all the people you see in shul will be so happy for you. Like all the your your cousins will be excited. Like I mean, it'd be it's just gonna be great for everyone except your closest. Your closest people aren't gonna know what to do with themselves because it because your growth is their identity crisis. You got that? Your growth is their identity crisis, and that's the beauty of couples that grow together in a deep way is that they're willing to reconfigure together. They're willing to, to just completely shake it up and, and grow together. And they would never hold each other back. But they actually will really, really grow together. Now, not everyone has that luxury in their marriage. But, uh, but ideally, that's, that's what would happen is, is together you evolve. And that may be hard for siblings, maybe hard for parents. But, you know, the main thing is that you and your wife have got it. Um, So how do you break through failure and how do you break through rejection? The way you the way you break through starting with failure is to see failure always as your teacher and that no one fails without learning some tough lessons and you know exactly where not to go and you've gotten quite good at the wrong path and you know just to shift away from the wrong paths in life. And so failure is just to see it as your teacher. In, uh, in, Facebook off, in Facebook's executive offices, you know, where all, the, all those people work, they, uh, you're not really growing and you're not really pushing the envelope. So you, you gotta have failures you gotta, in your work and everything you're doing. You wanna, you wanna be pushing the envelope. And otherwise, uh, entropy sets into every company. You know, it eventually, it eventually just, you know, the world's dynamic. God created a dynamic world. And if you try to create a static company, what's up, Yossi? If you try to create something static because the formula, you found the formula to make the money. Well, it may be a great formula right now, but it's, but it's not going to last in a dynamic. I just want to say also this whole idea of, uh, of fail hard is yeah. that you are also, you know, it's like muscle memory and anything that you do repetitively, it's like you, it becomes easier and it becomes something that becomes more fluid for you. And so, you know, what does it mean to fail hard? Everybody's going to fail. So if you go for something, you just try. So that rut zone is you're learning how to develop rut because if you're not, if you don't, if, if you're running, it means you have a red zone. You have a goal. 
And so, you know, the more you, goals you have, the more times you fail, the more times you try, the more goals that are going to come to you, the easier it's going to be to keep on striving for, for new things. And what's that, what was that word you used? Entropy? Entropy is entropy, uh, the chaos that right? causes things but to the devolve. Entropy is like entropy is is is, is decaying, right? It's just like it's it's, like, it's become a little molasses. It's not moving. Lives and thank God we got great wives and you know we're, we live in a wonderful community and, and the Yiddishkeit is phenomenal and you know things are right there at our fingertips. But I guarantee I can speak for myself. We all want change. We all want something, right? We all we're all because. What is that change that you want? That change is just a red self. If you don't want change, then you don't have red self. Right? I want to change in something. That change that you want is the seed of red self. You know, now it's now it's the space between here and success that you need to like, you know, learn to travel down that road. Very good. Um, so just back to, um, the, to the other issue was rejection. Is what are people going to think of you? What are people going to think of you if you make a major shift towards what it is you really want in life? You know, how are you going to deal with uh, people's judgments and stuff? So let's handle that for a little bit, and then, uh, and then we'll see if anyone has any questions. And I want to break out my guitar fairly soon and uh, jam a little bit. You didn't bring a guitar, did you, Sammy? I have one in the car. Excellent. Yeah. We should definitely jam, especially after the three weeks. Yeah. 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 Brother Dave's excellent. Yeah. Brother Dave, do you bring a guitar? Let's tell this guy his guitar. You can play mine. So. So just regarding, uh, just regarding rejection, is. I just like I'm just gonna give over a principle. Anyone who can't handle you at your finest is is not really the relationship you want to be, uh, you know, having. Meaning, meaning if your pers- if your personal development is more than someone can handle, so you know that's that's. I don't know how high you want to prioritize that relationship. You know you. Your relationship shouldn't your your relationship should be personal growth proof. Does that make sense? Your relationships should be personal growth proof. That you growing as an individual doesn't doesn't mess up your relationships. And and for anyone who who's afraid of the rejection that would come from their development, so that's just those aren't exactly the people you should be using to to decide how you're going to be growing and developing in your life you know the people who would who would you know reject you for that so it's kind of like I remember I remember once someone said they went home for Thanksgiving from university and no one called them and I'm like no one called you like because they were all like best friends with like a hundred kids when they graduated high school and, you know, they were, like, best friends. And then they came home from Thanksgiving. And they, didn't, they didn't call. Everyone was home from Thanksgiving. And they didn't call. And so I said, no one called you? He said, well, two people called you. Two people called. I said, those are your friends. Those are your friends. Those are the ones who are the actual friends. So, like, 
now that you know who your friends are, so just be happy you got some. So there's people. What? Who did he call? I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. But uh, I don't I recall asking that. I just wanted to know that someone yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but for those of us who want like everyone to love us, that's a, that itself is a major cheshbon and nefesh. Is a major what? Major cheshbon and nefesh. Because if you've set up your life that everyone loves you, you're probably not doing anything. You know, you're probably not doing anything at all. Like you're, you're having a zero impact life. So... And there are people who are having zero-impact lives because since they were little, they just all they wanted was to be liked. And they just wouldn't be able to sleep at night if, if someone didn't like them. But that's a great way of having no impact in your life. Like, there was no splash when you hit the water. You know? I mean, I'm not telling you to do a cannonball either, you know? Like, there's, I know people who make big splashes and, you know... But, you know, when they show up at your Shabbos table, you're like, kind of like, oh, we're not having guests this week. And he's like looking over your shoulder and he's like, it looks like you're having guests. <laughs> yeah, not you. you know. So yeah, you don't want to be making cannonballs either. But, but, the, but part, of, part of rejection is you, you want some pushback in your life. If you're not getting pushback, you're probably not doing anything. So, so it's important to get some pushback. And last thing I'll say is just that there are a lot of people who don't have any Ratzon. Um, teenagers. <laughs> teenagers these days don't have a lot of Ratzon. You know, imagine a teenager in the 1950s. You know, they just wanted to make the American dream, you know. Well, that's all long gone, you know. People are staring at computer screens these days and, like, they're per- perfectly happy to snuggle up with their device for the rest of their life. And there's not a lot of desire. And, and you also meet adults who have like kind of attained what they went for. They didn't shoot that high. but And some did shoot high, but they got that too because whatever you shoot for is what you'll get, ultimately. And they've gotten what they wanted and they don't know what else they want and so they don't really have any desire. Now, that's... That's not a great formula for life. To, to run out of desire is, uh, is not... So, so if someone gets to a point in their life in their 30s, 40s, 50s, where they, they can't really discover what it is they want so badly, so they need to do serious... They, they need a serious teardown. Because, you know... I mean, it could be really scary. That person could live to 80, 90 years old and they're only 50 and they don't even know what they want. They're not that excited about anything. Like, they, they're not running anywhere. I don't mean necessarily possessions. But what's worth having just in general? Like, what kind of life they want to have? And to attain that. And do what they've got to do to get there. You know, do what they've got to do to get there. And, and I, as some people have realized that they never became proficient in Torah. Some people are like that. They just never paid their dues. They, they snuck by the yeshiva years somehow, got in their lives. They're fully committed Jews, and they certainly you know, are happy to hear Devar Torah. But they never really got into it. And I, I meet people like this. I, I met, even at age, we used to have uh, businessmen come in 
and just start plugging away to learn some Torah. Very proud of these guys. Some of these guys have made it a lot of money in their lives and realized, you know, I'm going to die in Amaretz if I don't start plugging away. So they plugged away at that. Other people, um, other people had, you know, other dreams. Some of them had to do with physical fitness. Some of them had to do with sports. Some, some people had to, it had to do with knowledge. But but you gotta you, if you don't have rutson you got you gotta get it, and there are many ways of doing full teardowns, to get to to get to your deepest desire, to get to get to that place. Um, the, the, my seminar, the possibility is one of those ways of, of te- doing a full teardown, to get down to the core of what it is you really want in your life, which is like how our host, you know, he was he was like back and forth Tel Aviv, Jerusalem. He had to make a cheshvan of like what he was going to do. And and right after he did the full teardown, you're seeing him now. How many years later is this now? 14. Yeah. 14. So you, who you who your friend is, Devin Sussman, and what he stands for and what he does in his life and his living and his family and everything is all one testimony to a full teardown. You understand? The guy did a full teardown. And, and came out of there after that teardown and with the answer of what his life's about. And I, I watched it happen. I, I saw him ping-ponging between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. You know, I watched the ping-pong ball going back and forth. I didn't know what was going to happen to this guy, but there he showed up with his dog in the Possible Youth Seminar for like a full teardown 14 years ago. Yeah, and now he's getting public teardown. And, and it's like... But it's amazing, though, because the laser beam Ratzon, the laser beam Ratzon, is a real laser beam Ratzon. And that's what comes from teardown work. And by the way, I'm not selling my teardown. I, I, I don't have a seminar to offer you, really. I, you know, like, my next seminar is in Muncie, you know, in, in the L. That's, I don't have what to offer, but there are specialists at this. There are all kinds of different avenues to take to to get down to the core of what you want so that your life's inspired now if you look at the word inspire because we all want to live inspired so if you ever thought about the word spy inspire what's the word spire spire means air and we don't have an english word for it but it, it's a couple words air in lungs spire air in lungs if you start running and you get a lot of air in your lungs you will perspire if you overdo it, you might pass out, which means we'll bring a respirator and we will respire you. If we don't make it, you will expire. And that, that's what it means, Aaron Lungs. And which is really cool because the word spiritual is ritual, which you're inspired about. That's all, that's all, I got it. That's all ritual. And knowing, for example, Kabbalah and all the, why we do the stuff, all the Tamiya mitzvahs and the deeper stuff behind it all, that's the spire. Together, you get something that's spiritual. A spiritual person is someone who has his rituals down and he's got the spirit of it also going at the same time. I gotta get that guitar in my hands immediately for uh, to get the uh, some spire. Yeah, so get the spirit going. Um,
while we, while we get that um, head towards you, I just want to um, just say just a couple things. That best uh, decision my wife and I made since we were married to move out here to the bush. Wow. Just been incredible. Thank you. So yeah. Because we are surrounded by people right now, Rabbi Yomto. We are yeah. meeting some of them, I think, for the first time. But Hashem will love you and know them all because uh, just about everybody here, I know, um, I feel like really well. Like even even some folks here who I've just like hung out with a few times, like such an open community of people who are just fully expressive human beings. So after one encounter, you just know who they are, right. and uh, and it's 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 a, a community that uh, allows individuals to truly be themselves and is accepting of that like that growth that I think we all want and, and strive for and are looking for like every little nakuda that we can find anywhere in order to uh, integrate into into our lives. So, wow. You know, Beautiful. Wow. Thank you, for you love these guys. I do. I do. <laughs> so glad you found, I'm so glad you found them. Me too. But it's important to have that ratzon, you know, and to know what our ratzon is. You know, know what it is that we want. That's like, that's the key right there. You guys are a beautiful team. Mel and I are amazing. Thank you, Mel. I was actually referring to your whole community here. That was a huge part of it. Yeah. That, was, that was more active in the community than I am. <laughs> You're connected to the ladies here? 100%. Which is in the community. All your wives are awesome. Some of you are sitting around. actually envisioning your wives are the You're making a different You're making a different You're making a different soon, right? Uh, yeah. By the way, there's a beer um, a beer festival in Tacoa Thursday night. Just thought I'd let you know that. Rabbi, that's why you, you gave me clarity as to why now I know my dad married a, uh, a woman from Thailand. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it all makes sense. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. Right? And think who your grandma was. I, I don't know if she's still alive, but... Uh, one of them. His mother, I'm saying. His mother is not. All he had to see to know he'd be marrying a Thailandese girl. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if the Thailandese I don't know if the Thailandese uh, converted or not. But my mom, thank God. Oh, that's why I said it's yelled nice. I thought she converted. <laughs> not yet. She's probably right now studying, like wearing a kippa, studying Hebrew. I don't think so. <laughs> He married a nurse. Huh? <laughs> he married a nurse. Did he marry a what? Nurse. A nurse? How old's your father? No, my father's almost 70. Yeah, he married a nurse. Oh, yes, yes. He married a nurse. I can see what you mean now. And you, yeah. Which means you're not going to have to fly as much when he's in his 80s. Well, listen, I want, I want to say something just because my mom is a righteous convert. And I can see why my dad would want to marry somebody who, in her essence is like a server and wants to take care Daddy. and is appreciative because that was sort of the way like you described like 
non-Jewish woman, like, hey, I just happened they showed up at home. They got, they didn't punch me, you know? So, um, so. Uh, at least he didn't punch me. <laughs> well, it's a classic uh, Jackie Mason joke, right? Classic Jackie Mason joke. Push his own. Nice, nice. Until you feel like you're doing. Yoni, you're giving me a call. Keep like you're dying. <laughs> Just what we were talking about. Push yourself. Push yourself till you feel like you're dying, and I can't read the bottom line. Healthy and lost away. Nice. Awesome. So, my, but also about, about a convert is that they are also choosing Judaism and have gone against the grain to be Jewish. Wow. More than than most of us, I think, and really, you know, it says like a tzaddik can never stand in the shoes of uh, of uh, Bali Chuba. I feel like like a, a, a Jew who's born a Jew can never stand in the shoes of a convert because like, right. I have no idea what that's like to like just totally take this identity that we all like identify with something mm-hmm. and then just say, you know, no, I'm, I'm choosing some backup vocals. But uh, since we're talking about Ratzon tonight, I'd like to. Just play a couple of our songs. You ever heard of the Returning Light Band? Oh, you know who you know who leads it? Sean Green. No, uh, Sion Lair from really? Swass, oh, All in White. That's what I heard of it. That's why he just he put on the album like a decade and a half ago. Returning Light. Probably yeah. When I was in Yeshiva, Ben Sion used to cook me some like really delicious right macrobiotic foods. Holistic food. That's right. Yeah, you guys hit me with that water. So it goes like this. It's just DC and A. But uh, DCG. Um, what do I want to say to guys? Oh, amazing for it. You'll love this. That- Try that. Try it. It's easy. Come on, you guys. You can do it. You get to work on your fear of rejection.
courage to do that. I uh, I basically destroyed my colon. My colon. Broke the I healed it, but I was it was going to get removed. You know, they were literally going to take out my kishkins. All over um, the part of my personality was was to be the most to get the most attention in every situation I was in uh, through being extremely entertaining. And I threw, I still meet people who are at my parties. And, uh, you know, I'll tell them my last name and they'll be like, yeah, there were these like, you know, there were like these legendary parties in West LA when I grew up. There was a guy with your last name. Not thinking a guy who looks like me is that guy. And I'm like, really, what's, whereabouts? <laughs> and like it was a street called Barrington. Nice to meet you. So I meet people still today who are at those parties. And I mean, police had to come with helicopters just to disperse the crowd and set up on Sunset Boulevard because the light to get from North Barrington to Sunset wasn't long enough to get everyone the hell out of there. So they would literally have to like block traffic and just get the cars out at two in the morning from these parties. So I was, I was already a rabbi married with three kids when the doctors were gonna take my kishkas out. And I was traveling the world like the coolest rabbi you ever met. And meanwhile, I was like, meanwhile, I was like crapping blood. So, because deep down, this wasn't who I was. That wasn't me. And so I, I, I had to dig down deep into that part of me, which was what everyone knew. It's what everyone loved. It was like, to know him is the love, and that's what everyone knew, and that's what everyone loved. And I had to, I had to dig down there and, and, and 
get real with what that personality was covering up. You understand? Which meant having to go back to that place that it was covering up. Because there was a demarcating moment where cool and charming and entertaining and, you know, fun-loving and, you know, all the crazy me that I was. There was a demarcating moment in my childhood where that started. And it was not simple to go back to it. So I'm giving that example for myself and I'm being like extremely honest by sharing all that with you. <laughs> like I wasn't planning on sharing anything like that, especially on Facebook. And, uh, <laughs> and I think I just used the swear word, which I don't do also. Normally I say scrap without the S. Anyway, but uh, so that's your takeaway is, is just isolate a part of your personality and figure out what it's doing there. And, uh, and you'll, you'll get tremendous growth from that. But again, it's, it takes a little hand-holding because what you discover when you go down that rabbit hole is it's pretty shocking, actually. What's really down there in how we created our personalities. But the beauty is, is after the teardown, what's left of you? What's left of you? Answer? Essence. Your essence, your beautiful child. Yeah, so you, I'll do one more song called. Oh, oh, I gotta say something. I gotta say something. Yeah, good. Uh, what you get is your essence. Yeah, I want to say say who because I don't know if that's public knowledge or not. But there is somebody in this room who also did possibly you and and, uh, and I coached with possibly you at I think at least ten times when I was through that course. And uh, the first time I did it was in 2007, and it was a total teardown, and it was amazing and awesome. And uh, I had like sleepless nights. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> Don't intense. Don't scare me. No, you should be. I mean, like, listen, you got to go. You should be a little head. scared. I mean, listen, you know what? It's like, like you said, you're digging down deep inside. And, and some of you think, yeah, I think Bob said, you know, it's sometimes scary places, you know. What was that? What was the word you used? Demarcate, demarcation. A demarcation yeah. point in my point life. Point in life. Like, you got to go back to that spot, you know. And then you have to say, okay, well, now all these things happened. And, and, and then there's like all this collateral damage and things that happened because of that that other people. People were affected that didn't need to be affected, but because I was dealing with this or I didn't want it to be seen or whatever, like all sorts of things can take place. And who knows the ripple effect? I don't even want to go into it, right? But um, but what I was going to say is that after it's all stripped down, is that essence? I mean, you're, you're entertaining is the best of them, right? Yeah. So like that essence that you chose in order to whatever, cover up something from that demarcation point, yeah. that's still part of who you are, except now it gets to be just self-generated. We just all want to be self-generated. We don't want to be, you know, people push buttons and we're going to move this way because all of a sudden this happened, you know, and we're going to go this way because that happened. And then, you know, it's just like we're a ping pong ball that's getting like knocked around because we're hitting these bumpers and getting shoved this way and this way. We want to take charge of our life. And what you come to realize is that a lot of the personality that you've developed to cover something maybe up, it's really who you are, but now you get to self-generate it. Yeah. Oh, please tweak it. Dude. Tweak it, man. Please tweak it. That's fine. Fine to it. Because the poly's the best at the only. <laughs> you are, man. You are. Second to you, I'm told you changed my life. I learned from a lot of people, but, but I think what, also what you're saying, though, for just to add to it, is that the, now he can choose. Uh, so, to, 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 I can. 
choose to choose do to this. Pain, or before he was like entertaining on force right. to become a slave because unknown of that previous place, there's no choice to the entertaining, and so he's stuck in a loop of entertaining whether he knows or likes it or wants it or, or whether his wife's waiting for him and his kids don't know him. Right. So now is that band slave to circumstance? Naftali's like 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 nailing it right now. His choice to choose it. So, meaning it, it, it doesn't mean having your stripped down of the personality means you're done with it. It may mean that you're just going to do it lishma. You see, someone who's let's say, for example, I play guitar and I've been playing in bands forever, and am I when I do if I'm leading the concert, am I giving or taking? Everyone, everyone loved, you know, and they're all like, but everyone loved him. Everyone loved him. Those guys, those rock stars are wealthy enough to just pay some of the people in the audience to clap while they sleep. So they don't have to have that deep, dark hole in their heart that they can't sleep through. But the, when I taught Torah those years, did I give a class or take? The answer is clear to me. I took concerts and I took classes, and the biggest proof was I couldn't balance my family. Until he was about eight years old, he came home once with a big cardboard box, and I was like, puts it down in my living room. He could barely hold it, he was too little for it. And he opens it up, it was a digital safe. He's like, Daddy, would you help me get this up to my bedroom? And notice the word things called a safe. He was like, I'll, I'm going to be taking care of myself from now on. And it formed him and his personality. And uh, so, the, the, so the, you know, the beat goes on, you know. Me doing my thing was all from some stupid thing that happened to me. And he had a family dynamic where his father couldn't be counted on. Dude. Yeah. Oldest. Yeah, Rummy. I just he threw was, I just threw a wedding for him. I'm dancing. Here he is now in his twenties. I'm dancing at the wedding, me and the Machutin in Brooklyn. And the the Chosen has ten times more money than me and the Machutin put together. Yeah, I mean, he's like uh, he never stopped. Really? He never stopped. Dude, he, that kid grew up in the Mosque with you, you kidding me? Yeah, a coach. <laughs> I did it ten times, he did it a hundred times. He needs to pay for Moshe to hike up Kilimanjaro. Moshe finally did. It's 18. Okay, listen to this, guys. Let's do one. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, Donnie. 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 Donnie, you just got to hear this one song. Can you? Donnie, can you give me three minutes? After hearing all that, you got to hear one song. Revinson? Yes. Can you, can you give me a favor and just turn off that AC for this one song? Yeah, we got such beautiful air. The night air tonight's amazing. Maybe open the kitchen window and we'll have it. And then uh, get, uh, hit the light. Hit the lights. Donnie, I'm sorry to do this to you because I know you're leaving, but no, no, no. You're... I, was, I was trying to come back in. Oh, you were? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just, you're just such a. Yeah, you're such a. We're good. We're good. You're such an amazing uh, animated listener. So I was going to play the song just because of the way you were listening to me. And then, uh, we're good, we're good, that's perfect to have some light. Yeah, it's beautiful. 
So the uh, you were my most animated listener, and so I was thinking I'll play the song looking at you, and then and then you were leaving. So, no, no, that one's okay. Yeah, we're good. But there's some lights, great. Okay, listen up, guys. Thank you. This is what you get after the teardown. It's called the beautiful child. You can close your eyes if you want, unless you're going to nod off. eyes are closed, you can picture yourself holding the beautiful child in you, the little toddler you were once upon a time, with your actual natural personality that God gave you, not the one you created. Take a smaller step, take a deeper breath, let your motor cool. Slow down to a crawl as your defenses fall. Feel your soul refuel. Everything you thought, all that you believed, hold it in your hands and let it go. Nothing left to fear. Open to receive Setting free the child The beautiful child In you Do a little dance Sing a simple song Laugh so hard you're crying Chase a butterfly Climb a mountainside Once again you're flying The person of your dreams Is coming into view Nobody can take that dream away Somebody who trusts Somebody who shares Someone like the child The beautiful child In you
He just he had the ability to do that um, often, you know. He just knew how to have a really, really good time, a genuine time. wasn't unabated by what other people thought of him, or due to the situation he was in, or if it was because he was in a certain comb, he had to like be a certain way. Like he didn't live by those rules, and uh, I think uh, like you know. He taught that to me. Sometimes there's nature and sometimes there's nurture. And uh, I don't know if that's in my nature, but, uh, you know, he nurtured that into me. And I'll just say, because I got my daughter right here in front of Kayla, that you take after your pops, after uh, your grandpa, after daddy's dad. Um, you know, tap it into your inner child. Inner child. <laughs> Being you all the time. My daughter's really a free spirit. And, uh, my wife is in an art hook. 
Your imagination, the Arachus, is managed to make a mosaics and all that kind of stuff. This is over there right now. And, uh, and Hannah Kayla was in that art room. In fact, she painted that painting right there on the wall in this art room. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. And she did some beautiful mosaics as well that were hanging up uh, in the wall in our backyard right now in the new place. But uh, the art teacher went to my, to my um, wife and said, you know, your daughter's really, really special. You know, okay, teachers say these kind of things, you know, why is she special? She doesn't care what the other students are doing. She doesn't care what her friends are doing. She's not into it. She's not into it. She's doing her thing, and she's happy doing her thing, even if nobody else is joining her and doing her thing. And, you know, that's really an amazing uh, gift that is part of your nature. And, uh, and I think that nature, at least part of it, came from, uh, from your pops, from my, da- from, from my dad. Mm. And... Uh, Thank God for that, because it's never going to leave you. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It's about to share for those of us who is nurtured, you know, may we continue to work at it. Mm-hmm. And may we express that inner child. Mm-hmm. Glad you stayed for the inner child, son. <laughs> What's that? You know, I just want to mention that uh, just because uh, Yomta runs this uh, incredible seminar, that another incredible seminar that I did back in the day, 14 years ago, I, I did with Naftali. I think I can say that. I think I can say that openly. But he was a real champion as well and a leader in called the Shofar. Yes, which was just like awesome, incredible. And you led it also when I was there. Thank you. Oh yeah, he was the man. Yeah, <laughs> me and Naftali did when we were participants. <laughs> it was, it was, that was the, one of the greatest he went on to lead it and, uh, no, we're really, are you still involved with uh, the well of being can you guys lead it together any chance what can you guys lead it together lead what I'll follow, I'll follow you I can't lead their seminar their seminar is a totally different animal it's amazing are you are you doing uh, that work yeah with uh, I mean, now, now I'm also a therapist now actually really like a whole, amazing yeah like a, what's your degree in well, guidance counseling also, but family therapy and couples therapy. And Amazing. Yeah. And, and, uh, but are you involved with the well-being? Or? Yes, yes. Amazing. We really, we're very, our two seminars are very symbiotic. They mention you every time, at the end. Yeah, I mention you guys every time. I mention you guys every time. The, uh, the truth is, is the, uh, the... When year did you start? I started in uh, 2001. We're 20 years. I'm saying, which one do you go to first? Oh, it's a good question. They tell me that they like that everyone has language for their all their parts. Their work's much deeper. And when you're in all that depth, you can easily get lost in that depth. They take care of you, so they'll just rebuild Humpty Dumpty. They're happy to rebuild Humpty Dumpty, but they, I've been told by the New York people, only by the New Yorkers, that they're very happy with my graduates because they have amazing language for their whole emotional system. Because my seminar, you come out with a lot of language about yourself. And so now that you like really went down the... Because ra- their rabbit hole is way deeper than the possible Yeah, but we've, we've, toned, we've toned down. Have you? <laughs> <laughs> I toned down. I don't know what happens in New York. Really. New York's not toned down, I'll tell you that. They're all going... They're like... It's like an ayahuasca ceremony in New York. <laughs> so... They're two totally different things, but they're... they're uh, they're both super important. You know? When I went, I, I lead mine and I went to theirs. I mean, do you remember what happened to me and my 
carpet work. Yes, I do. Oh, is that on the... Do we like wrap you up and tie you up and all that stuff? That was me. <laughs> <laughs> we can't, we can't say who that was. But uh, but uh, mine, you may not remember, but I, I was in a tight little uh, fetal position, screaming my guts out. The, the f- we had that goy there who was 40 years training m- new warriors. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. our guest. Rich. Rich something, yeah. He came up to me afterwards. And he was going like this with his finger, and like, can you follow my finger? And are you here? And are you back? And, and I'm like, I, yeah, I'm here. He says, okay, because I've seen that happen twice in 40 years. I was the third person he saw that happen to. And he said that the other people didn't come back. I mean, it was a whole process to get them back to Earth. Yeah, we had the only thing I remember from that... I had a hard time coming back. Did you? Yeah. When I was in fetal position there, the only words I heard... I was screaming my guts out. The only words I heard were, were someone get a sponge a stick. Because everything from my nose, my mouth, and my eyes was in a pool next to me. In fetal, I was in full fetal position, screaming. Is this with ayahuasca? Or no, this was... This is through breath. This is now, this wasn't even the breath. This wasn't even the breath. That wasn't even the breath? No. You know, I died in the breath work by you guys. I realized he was slapping me because I was gone. And he pulls me back. He says, you had no pulse. You had no heartbeat. You were, your lips were blue. You were gone. Rigor mortis. And I just started slapping you silly. And you came back. And so I went up to Alicia, your partner. And I said to Alicia, I told Alicia what happened to me the second time. Because the first time I figured it must have been my imagination. But the same exact thing happened. And even the place where I could pull back, I got to, but couldn't get myself back. And I was gone. And like, and well, then well, I just... Well, what holiday was that? What, what work was that? This is the breath. The, oh, the breath. Okay, the breath. Yeah. So, you know what Alicia's answer? I was expecting like a more responsible answer. You know what he says? Maybe you shouldn't do that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, huh? Yeah. Are you okay now? I'm great. I'm great. But, I, but that, guy, that guy in that seminar saved my life. And I was right the first time. That I did that. Have you ever done it again? I've done other things again. Uh-huh. <laughs> for, the, for, the, for those of us here who, who aren't uh, familiar with that particular type of work, which... Uh, so my center is not like... I've done that a hundred times. That's not really yeah. No, well, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I've done it, I think, twice or three times. Um, and each time, actually, with Naftali. But Naftali and I, we both did it together. Do we ever talk about it? That's a good time. <laughs> did we? Did we? Did we ever like run through it? Yeah, we did. We run through it. It was like it was one of the most tense uh, experiences of, uh, of my life. It was the, yeah. the most like oh, that's for sure. Well, well, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I, did you ever do the possibility? I don't, no. I don't think you did. Alicia came. Everyone yeah. came except for you. We're waiting for you. You still doing it? We're gonna do yeah, it. Yeah, music right? class. I do it. Uh, I do it every couple months, kind of. Since Cor- I really, I just ran one last week. It was the first one since yeah. Corona, in English. I do them in, he- in Israel. They're in Hebrew. How was New Square? New Square is interesting. <laughs> I do. By the way, I do this work with hardcore. My work, which again, it's very different than their, but I do it with hardcore Hasidim. I'll go into like the deepest. Hasidic courts where people are like, you know, like they have no self awareness, 
no concept of themselves. They're just, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, yeah, they're just. Works with one of your guys. No way, really. Oh my gosh, you can tell me in private if he gives permission. Anyway, but uh, so I've gone into the Hasidic community with it, and it's it's mind-boggling to watch a person be born. Like, literally be born. Everyone, even you guys, would be born there. Yes, you know. But I've watched people who never had a life be born. And to see what happens to them afterwards. Yeah. They go back to their Hasidus the next day. And they're just, like, on fire. Fire. And Amazingly, they, they're born. They're alive. They're, yeah. They got their life. They a life that's made a little constricting. Yeah, a little. A lot. But... <laughs> But they're like these wild fires in their community now. And they're great. They're like this, just this conflagration of a human being in the middle of these, you know, sheepy, sheepy-type environments. And they're, they're on fire. I, I, I've been, oh, I started this 10 years ago. I have probably 4,000 graduates now from the deep Hasidic, deep Hasidic New York world. Yeah. No, I'm saying the Hasidim, I swear. Are you having a thing in this person? No, I'm sure. I'm sure something. I thought I didn't have a Responsible of them to just say it like that. But, but later I realized that there's something unique in my central nervous system with that level of breathing. I get shut down. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say the time to Rabbi Shlomi. And uh, and all Chabad too, like during a whole year of um, saying Kaddish, just you guys walked me through so much. And Shabbos took took the breaks to wait for me to catch up and sort of say Kaddish. <laughs> Pretty sure some people were in the kitchen having a chaim, so I was catching up with my in order to say Kaddish. And uh, especially Yassi as well. I love you guys. I appreciate everything you did for me that year and continue to do for me. I wonder who the one person is still watching me on what's on Facebook. It's <laughs> probably your wife. It's a fact checker. It has its name. It's David. By the way, my wife did possible you as well. Yeah, I used to coach it also. Just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.